0: Book three, chapter three of Amadis of Gaul. This is a LibriVox recording. All LibriVox recordings are in the public domain. For more information or to volunteer, please visit LibriVox.org. Recording by Anna Simon. Amadis of Gaul by Vasco de Lobeira, translated by Robert Southey. Book three, chapter three. How King Kildadan and Don Galaur, going their way toward the court of King Lezouarte, met a dame who had in her company a fair child accompanied by twelve knights, and how the dame asked them to ask the king to make him a knight, the which was done, and afterward the king knew him to be his son. King Kildadan and Don Galar, hearing that the king prepared to embark, made all speed to join him. It chanced that, having slept in a forest, they heard a bell ring for mass at daybreak, and going to the hermitage, they saw twelve rich shields ranged around the altar, bearing castles, or in a field azure, and in the midst of them was a wide shield rimmed with gold. Having made their orisons, they asked certain squires who were there to whom those shields belonged. They answered that they could by no means tell them, but if they went to the court of King Lezuarte, they would soon know. Presently the knights who owned the shields came in, leading some damsels and behind them the new knight talking with a dame who was not young. He was of good stature and fair, and so strongly made that hardly might another such be seen, so that King Kildadan and Galor marvelled much to see him, and weaned that he came from a far land, because till then they had never beheld him. When mass was over the lady asked them if they were of King Lysortus' household. "'Why ask you?' "'Because if it please you we should desire your company, "'for the king is in the forest hard by "'with the queen and a great company "'hunting and regaling in their tents.' "'And what is your pleasure with us?' "'That for courtesy you would request the king and the queen "'and their daughter Oriana to come hither "'and make this squire a knight, "'for he is such that he merits all the honour that may be done him.' "'Right willingly, lady, will we do this, and we trust the king also will do as you say, according to his wonted courtesy. Then they rode all together to a little hill by the wayside to wait for the king, and it was not long before they saw him and the queen and their company approaching. The king rode foremost, and beholding the damsels and two armed knights, he thought they wished to joust, and he bade Don Grumadan, who guarded him with thirty knights, to go and tell them not to trouble themselves to joust, but come to him don grumedan rode foremost and the king stopped when kildadan and Galaur saw that he stopped they and the damsels came down the hill and went towards him and when gallaer was near enough to know the old knight he exclaimed to king kildadan, here sire is one of the good men of the earth who is he don grumedan who bore the king's banner in the battle against you in truth then quoth kildadan i can say he is such for I plucked the banner from him, and could never force it from his hands till the staff broke, and then I saw him do such feats of arms as showed his great displeasure that it had been taken. They then took off their helmets, and Gromedan, knowing Gallagher, as he approached, exclaimed, Ah, my friend Don Gallagher, you're as welcome as the angels from heaven, and he rode up to him as fast as he could. Don Gromedan, quoth Gallagher, this is king kildadan the old knight then kissed the king's hand who welcomed him very courteously and then turned to galloar and they embraced like those who loved each other at heart then rode he back to lizuarte good news sir and joyful here comes your vassal and friend don galloar who never failed you in time of need and the other is king kildadan i am right glad of his coming replied the king I well thought that if he were whole and at his own free will he would not fail to come to me, as I would have gone to him if it were to his honour. By this the knights came up, and he received them full graciously. Don Galar would have kissed his hands, but the king would not permit that, embracing him so as to show how in his heart he loved him. They then told him of the lady and the boon she begged. The king mused a while, for he was accustomed to knight those only of great worth and he asked whose son he was. That, replied the dame, you shall not know yet, but I swear to you that on both sides he is of good and royal parentage. What shall I do, Don Gallower? said the king. Methinks, sir, you should consent, for the child is of rare stature and comeliness, and cannot fail to be a good knight. Let it be so, then, Lizoarta answered and he bade Grumadan take Don Galor and King Kildadan to the Queen, and then all follow him to the Hermitage. How they were welcomed by the Queen and Ariana, it is not necessary to relate. Never were others better or more lovingly. So they all followed to the Hermitage, and when they saw those shields and the white one which was so rich among them, they marvelled thereat, but still more at the goodly person of the child, and he could not think who he was, having never heard of him before." He humbly kissed the hands of the king, and would have kissed the queens and Orianas also, but that they would not permit because of his high birth. The king then knighted him, and said, "'Take the sword from whom it shall please you best.' "'If it please you,' he replied, "'I will take it from the hands of Oriana, for so will that be accomplished which my heart desired.' "'Dear daughter,' then said Lizwarte, "'give, if it please you, the sword to this knight.' will rather receive it from you than from any other hand. Oriana, with great shamefastness, as one who thought it strange, then took the sword and gave it him, and thus was his knighting fully performed. The dame then said, Sir, I and my three damsels must be gone, though I would willingly remain with you a while, but so it is ordered. Norandel, whom you have armed, knight, and these twelve knights with him may, if it like you, abide in your service. Well pleased was the king thereat, greatly admiring the young man. The dame then took her leave, and as she departed slipped the letter into Lysawarta's hand, saying, Read this in private, and then do as you think best. She then went towards the ship. He, wondering what this might be, bade the queen go with King Kildadan and Galaur to the tents, and feast them, if he should tarry in the chase. Brasena, obeyed, and as soon as he was alone he opened the letter. Lisuarte, most high king of Great Britain, I, the princess Solinda, daughter of King Hagido, kiss your hand. You will well remember, sir, how you, being only an errant knight, found me besieged in my castle of the great Rosier by Antiphon the Fierce, because I would not accept him in marriage, and how you undertook my cause in single combat and slew him and how under the rosier I yielded you my love. Then was this child begotten, so fair a one, that it seemeth that sin hath produced good fruit, and will therefore be by the Most High Lord forgiven. I sent with him this ring which you gave me, as that which witnessed all. Honour him, and love him, my good Lord, and make him knight, like one who on both sides is sprung from kings, and deriving from you, Dare courage and for me that ardent love which i have borne towards you reasonably may we hope that knighthood will be well bestowed upon him full well did lezoarte remember this and the ring confirmed that Norandel was his son howbeit though the young knight promised so fairly by his fair appearance he resolved to conceal the truth till he should have given proof of his valour he then went to the chase and returning with plenty of game went to the tent where King Kildadan and Galaur lodged, being attended by all the best knights of his court, all richly clad, and before all he praised them for their great feats of arms as they deserved, and for the great help he hoped from them in his war, which he now waged against the best knights in the world. Then, cheerfully he told them of his sport, and said merrily that he would give them none of his game, and he sent it all to Oriana and the princesses, but he bade them divide it with Kildadan and Galaur so there he ate with them after the cloths were removed he took Gallor aside under the trees and leaning on his shoulder said my good friend gallower how i esteem and love you god knows for your courage and your counsel have always profited me and i have full confidence in your faith so much that i would not say to my own heart the thing which i would conceal from you look now what hath happened and he gave him the letter Glad thereof was Galore, seeing that Norendel was the king's son, and he said, "'If you, sir, went through this toil and peril to deliver that princess, she well repaid you by so fair a son. "'As God shall help me, I think he will be as good as he is fair, and however desirous you now are to conceal his birth, "'you will hereafter be more so to acknowledge him. "'If it please you, let him be my comrade for a year.' "'Thus will somewhat of my great desire to serve you be accomplished.' "'Much do I thank you,' replied the king. "'Yet shall I give you a boy for your companion, who may prove we know not what. "'Howbeit, as it pleases you, let it be so, for as nothing will be secret, whatever honour is done to him is done to me.' So after they had returned to the tents a while, Galar said to the king, "'Sir,' You well know it is the custom of your house, and of the whole kingdom of London, that the first boon which knight or damsel shall require from a new-made knight ought to be granted. Truly, so is the custom, replied the king. I am a knight, rejoined Gallagher, and I ask a boon of Narrandel. It is that we keep company together for one whole year, being true to each other, and that nothing but death or captivity separate us. Norandel marvelled greatly when he heard this, and full joyful was he, for he saw how the king honoured Gallagher among so many good and esteemed knights, and he knew his fame, how except Amadis there was none who surpassed him in arms. My lord Sir Gallagher, quoth he, it is plain by your great worth and my littleness that you have set thus more for your goodness than my deserts, but I grant it and thank you for it as the thing in the world which next to the service of the king most rejoices me the king then told them how he would put to sea on the third day for according to the tidings he received from the island of mongaza his going was necessary in god's name said king kildadan and we will serve you in all things that may be to your honour sir quoth quothgallor since you have the hearts of your people so fully fear you none but god Even so, replied the king, great as your prowess is, your love and affection maketh me more secure. The following day, after mass, they set out to return to the town, and the king told Galor he might inform Oriana of Norandel's birth, but in secrecy. So Galor took her bridle, whereat well pleased was she for the love her father bore him, and because being the brother of Amadis, it was to her a comfort to see him. In the course of their talk they spake of Norundel. "'Do you know anything of this knight?' said Oriana. "'For he came with you, and you have asked him to be your companion in arms. "'For one of your prowess this should not be done unless you knew something of his worth. "'For all who know you say there is no one equal to you except only your brother Amadis.' "'My lady,' replied Galaur, "'so equal is my prowess to that of Amadis as earth is to heaven.' and fool would he be who thought to equal his, for God has gifted him above all others in the world in hardihood, and in all good customs that beseem a knight. Oriana became thoughtful, and a feeling came upon her. If ever thou shouldst be without the love of this Amadis, and without this fame of arms and of beauty! But she felt joy and pride that he who had no peer was her own. But for Norandel, added Gallower, It surely seems that he will be a good man, and I know that of him which will surprise all whenever it comes to be known. So I believe, replied Oriana, that not without great cause you took him for your companion in arms. If it may fairly be told, I should willingly know it. That would be a dear secret, quoth he, which you wished to know, and I should withhold, but no other must know it. He is son to the king, your father. And then he told her all you have made me right glad cried oriana and i truly thank you for the near tie between us if he be good by nature you will make him more so and if otherwise your example will amend him thus they went on till they reached the town there oriana went with her mother and Gallor took his comrade Norandel to his lodging on the following day the ships being manned Lizuarte commanded that his dinner should be prepared on board and he with Gallor, Norandel, and king Kildedan, took leave of the queen and his daughter, and went to the fort of Jafok, where his fleet lay, and sailed for the island of Mongaza. In five days they reached the port of the town from whence the island took its name, and there they found King Arban of North Wales strongly encamped, and learned from him what had passed. There had been a great battle with the knights who held the town, and his men had been defeated, and would all have been lost, if King Arban had not taken advantage of some rocks and retired among them. That brave King Gasquilan of Sweden had been sorely wounded by Don Florestan, and his people had carried him away by sea to be healed. Brian of Monchaste had advanced too far to attack King Arban and was made prisoner. From that time King Arban's army had never ventured to stir from the rocks where Lizoarte found them, and though the enemy had often attempted, they were never able to attack them. Lizoarta was incensed against the knights of the island, hearing this, and he landed all his men and stores and pitched his camp. In good time for Oriana had King Lizoarta departed. She felt her pains coming, and dismissing all her other damsels, went with only Mabilia and the damsel of Denmark to her chamber, and there till midnight in great fear and agony she endured, suppressing all cries, till it pleased God, the reliever of all, that she was delivered. "'of a fair son, "'who was forthwith "'wrapped in rich garments, "'and Oriana "'bade them "'bring him to her bed, "'and she took him "'in her arms "'and kissed him "'many times. "'Do you see,' "'said the damsel "'to Mabilia, "'what the child "'has upon its breast?' "'No,' "'quoth she, "'I was too busy "'to look.' "'Certainly,' "'cried the damsel, "'he has something "'upon his breast "'which other infants "'have not.' "'They then lit a candle "'and uncovered him, and saw that under the right nipple there were letters as white as snow and under the left seven letters as red as life coals but neither one nor the other could read them for the white letters were latin and very difficult and the red ones were greek presently as they had agreed the damsel privately went out and came round under the chamber window with durin on horseback mabilia had laid the child in a basket and lowered it to them by a string and they rode towards Miraflores where the child was to be brought up as the damsel's own. But soon leaving the right road, they struck into a by-path through the forest to go more secretly. They came at last to a fountain, near which was a deep valley, so thick with underwood that none could enter it, where lions and other wild beasts bred. Above this valley there was an old hermitage, where dwelt the hermit Nasciano, who was a holy man it was the opinion of the neighboring peasantry that he was sometimes regaled with heavenly food and when he went out to beg provision neither lion nor any wild beast would harm him but when they met him on his ass seemed to fawn to him near this hermitage there was a cave in the rock where a lioness had whelped and the good man often went in and fed her cubs and would play with them after he had said his prayers now when the damsel came to this fountain she was athirst and she said to her brother Let us alight, and take the child, for I must drink. Durin alighted, took the child, and laid him at the foot of a tree. But as his sister was about to alight, they heard the roaring of a lion in the thicket, which frightened both palfreys, and they started off full speed. The damsel had no command over hers, and expecting to be dashed to pieces among the trees, cried out to God to help her. Durin ran after her, and overtaking her, at last caught the reins, but she was in such plight that she could scarcely speak. He took her off, and said, Stay here, and I will go on your horse in pursuit of my own. Go for the child first, said she, and bring him to me, lest anything happen. Hold the reins, then, said he, for if I take the horse I cannot bring him. So he set off afoot, but meantime a marvellous adventure had happened, for the lioness whom you have heard of, and who had roared so loud, went every day to that fountain to get scent of the beasts who drank there and now as she was looking about her she heard the child cry and went to the foot of a tree and took him up in her keen teeth by the clothes without touching the flesh for so it pleased god and carried him to her cubs for food this was about daybreak but that lord of the world who is merciful toward those who implore his mercy and with the innocent who have neither age nor understanding to implore it helped him in this guise that holy Nasciano, having sung mass and going to the fountain to refresh himself, for the night had been hot, beheld the lioness with a child in her mouth, and heard him crying with the voice of a new-born babe. Whereat he crossed himself, and said to her, "'Go, evil beast, and leave this creature of God's work, who hath not made him for thee!' The lioness came crouching to him, and laid the babe at his feet, and then departed. Nassiano made upon him the sign of the true cross, then took him in his arms and went towards the hermitage. As he passed the cave he saw the lioness was giving suck to her cubs, and he called to her, saying, I command thee on the part of God, in whose power are all things, to come feed this child like thy own cubs, and to guard him like them. She came and lay down at his feet. The good man placed the infant at her teats, and the child sucked, and thenceforth the lioness came fondly to feed him whenever he cried the hermit then sent his nephew a lad who assisted him at mass to call his father and mother they dwelt at the skirts of the forest but the father was gone from home and could not come till after ten days during which time the child was fed by the lioness and by a she-goat and a ewe who gave him suck while the lioness was prowling about when durin came to the foot of the tree and saw that the child was gone he was greatly dismayed and he looked on all sides and beholding only the track of the lioness thought that surely she had devoured him. When he told his sister this, she beat her face and cried out aloud, cursing her fortune and the hour wherein she was born, and in this passionate grief she continued more than two hours. Sister, said Durin, this is of no avail, and great evil may rise from it to your lady and her friend. At last she saw that he had reason, and she said, What shall we do? We must go to Miraflores, said he, since my palfrey is lost, and stay there three or four days, as if some business brought us there, and when we return we must tell Oriana that the child is safe. After she is recovered, you must take counsel with Mabilia what to do. So thus they agreed, and the damsel put on a good countenance on her return, and told Oriana that the child was taken care of in ten days the hermit's sister and her husband arrived and he told them by what great chance he had found the infant whom god certainly loved because he had so saved him and he besought them to take charge of him till he could speak and then bring him to him for instruction but first said the good man i will baptize him when that dame stripped him by the font she saw the white and red letters on his breast and showed them to nasiano who greatly marvelled thereat and reading them he saw that the white one said, in Latin, "Esplundian," and thought that this was to be the child's name. And so he baptized him by that name, Esplundian, whereby he was afterwards so known in the world. But the red letters, though he tried earnestly, he could neither read nor understand. So his nurse took the child home with a good will, deeming that she and her family should one day be well repaid, and she nursed him diligently, as one in whom she had placed her hopes, and when he began to speak, she took him again to her brother, and he was then so comely and well-grown a child, that all who saw him were delighted. End of chapter 3 of book 3